You are listening to Changing the Game with me, Wilson Casado. What is the game? The game is everything. Everything from the education you receive to the career or business you pursue. In regards to diversity and inclusion, though, there isn't a level playing field. The show will allow us to hear from those who are challenging the status quo. It is about creating a new future where things are done differently, a future with diversity and inclusion, and most importantly, a future where everyone has access to play the game. Hello, everyone. Today, I have a very, very big pleasure to talk with someone uh, that I have known for more than 15 years. So, Dinia Monge. Dinia, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, uh, we are in this episode uh, of the Changing the Game uh, with something very new. That's my first interview, which is an international interview, right? So, that everybody that I talked so far uh, was from Australia. Uh, were from Australia, so now we're talking with Dinia that's currently in Panama. Let me introduce you guys to Dinia. Dinia is the co-founder of Ola Igualdad. That's a boutique consulting firm that focuses on promoting gender equality organizations, uh, trying to uh, make them efficient and effective uh, in achieving more inclusive societies. Dinia interest in changing the status quo for women uh, with the corporate world, with the corporate world, began when she first experienced uh, on her own the glass ceiling phenomenon, as she refers to this invisible barrier that keeps qualified women from ascending to high-level position because of the because of what that gender implies. As a gender equality consultant, Genia helps organizations raise their awareness on unconscious bias and discrimination and rethink processes and policies in order to bypass these uh, biases. Dinia is an enthusiast about educating new generations free of gender stereotypes. Her, uh, her lab is her own home. So Dinia is uh, a mother of an uh, eight-year-old boy and a six-year-old girl. And he ended up that the real teachers for her are her own kids. Is that fair enough, Tinia? Fair enough. Thank you very much for the introduction. And it's an honor to be your first international guest. <laughs> very good. So uh, a very curious fact here as well so is that Tinia's uh, uh, mother language is Spanish. My mother language is Portuguese. So we are fluent in each other's languages. And here we are speaking a third language. So I hope you guys don't mind too much our accents. So, uh, <laughs> Dinia, normally the first question I ask for uh, the people we come to the show is to ask that, you know, is, 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 a, is, a, is not a question. I ask you to let us know a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So, well, I, I live in Panama, as you mentioned, but I'm actually from Costa Rica, which is a little country in Central America, right next to Panama. And I've lived so far in three countries. Um, so in, in my mother country, like most of my life, until I graduated and had my first job there, 
I'm an industrial engineer, by the way. Uh, afterwards, I moved to Brazil, which is not very common. Like mostly my friends, if they studied abroad, they would study in the United States or in Spain. And I just like Portuguese and it was kind of a crazy move. And I, I would say that speaks about how I am. I like to be out of my comfort zone because I really didn't spoke Portuguese very well. And although it's very similar to Spanish, uh, you don't think that when you get to Rio de Janeiro, which is where Wilson is from, Brazil has different accents. And that was a challenge for me to do a, a master's degree in, in business administration. And that's where we met. And um, I lived there for um, nine years. And it's been already eight years since I arrived to, to Panama. My husband is Panamanian, so that explains the move here. And also I'm, I'm closer to my family. I, um, I've been, uh, well, I, in, while I was in Brazil after doing my, my MBA, I um, worked for BCG, which is a consulting firm in strategy. I worked there for three years. And afterwards I continued in the strategy area, but I went to PepsiCo. And, I guess it's a big for me, everybody knows. Um, and I worked there for six other years, three in, in Brazil and three here. And uh, so my background is basically strategy and uh, in revenue management also. But five years ago, uh, something happened <laughs> and it, it's not very rare. And I'm pretty sure um, there are many people who will listen to us and, and will identify with this. And I, I was hit by kind of, I'm, I'm not being able to balance my life. That was after I had my second kid. Uh, I have two children, uh, Andre, who is eight years, that's, that's Wilson read in my, in my bio, and, um, and Alicia, who is six. And although I managed with, a, with one kid when I had my second one and I had to travel, and it wasn't as intense because I had a quite cool boss at the moment, which I really negotiated. And he, he, he did his best actually to help me balance my, my personal and my professional life. But it was taking me to a point that I was like, I really don't want to continue traveling with this frequency, which was maybe once every six weeks or two months. And and I also got to a point where I started questioning myself, what am I doing? Like, is this really close to my heart of, you know, what, you know, the, the, the famous <laughs> question that you get at some point where you want to really understand what's your why. And, and that took me to take a, not that rational decision. I consider myself very analytical and rational, but that was the first big, non-rational decision I took and I quit my job mm. I, I really didn't have like a safety net I, I didn't have like you know what was I going to do afterwards but um, it felt liberating and, and as soon as I got out I realized what I wanted was like to help other women get that balance you know like why couldn't you really pursue a professional life and uh, and also be at comfort with yourself and how you're dealing with your time management, especially around, around family. And not that family is the only thing that you have on your plate when you want to balance your personal life. Somebody who doesn't have family can perfectly 
be in front of this dilemma also of how much time I'm spending for myself and how much time I'm dedicating to my to my work. And for the past five years, it's been like a, you know, <laughs> it's been like a road that goes in different ways and ups and downs. And, and that road took me in the past three years to explore more about gender equality in, in the corporate world. Well, actually not in corporate, only in, in organizations in general. And that's, that's where I'm at, basically a, a result of my personal story. So that's quite interesting, Dina. So it, it, it looks like, uh, you know, your story of finding difficulties to, to find your place and to be able to uh, cope with maternity and professional life uh, it's not a unique story. So there's lots of people uh, that have been in this show have you know have, have have mentioned you know the challenges that they had before. So what is quite unique in what you're doing is actually you made that challenge of helping other women in the same situation as uh, you know your purpose. What you know you 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 now you now living out of that. So. Uh, what I'll do, so I want to go one step back, right? Sure. So one of the things that's quite curious about your profile is that you are an industrial engineer. So you get a full-time MBA overseas. You ended up working for a very prestigious consulting company, it was BCG. So uh, when, when, we, when, when we tell that story, and by the way, you told that story very humbly. So that, that's an, an amazing profile, an amazing achievement. So there are quite a number of young girls out there that, uh, are, are, you know, so maybe they don't even feel that that sort of career is for them, but it's something that you have done, you know, it's more than 10 years ago, which is quite amazing. So can I ask, and, and, and by the way, so women in STEM, women in technology, that's, that's quite a, a modern, uh, you know, is a, a is a claim from, from the business, right? So we all want to have more women in those sort of you know, careers. And then we have a case of, a real case of women that follow that career, but at a certain point couldn't, couldn't stay in that career because of she's a woman. So if I go back a little bit, so do you remember uh, why you chose to do engineering? Yeah, actually, I do. I love math. I was very good at math in high school. And uh, I remember like, you know, maybe not having enough information about all the possibilities that math implied. And um, engineering was kind of mainstream. If you like math, there was also economy. And I was between becoming an economist or becoming an engineer first. And I remember um, a very respected man who came over to our school to help us decide, you know, and he was an economist. And he said, if you like um, to, to give your opinion about something and you want that opinion to be implemented, then don't become an, uh, an economist, <laughs> become an engineer. And that was like, oh my God, yeah, no, I want to see things happening. I wouldn't see myself like just talking and talking and nothing changing. And that was why I took the decision of, of studying industrial engineering. So very nice. So in the very beginning of career, have you had, a, have, have you had worked as an engineer? So do you had that experience of implementing? 
Yeah, yeah, in the services, maybe not like not in manufacturing, only like very little gigs. But my first work was at Citibank and I was a process redesign engineer. So um, it was all about, you know, taking the quality of the services to the next level and working with multifunctional teams. And from sure, from from there, I started getting these uh, skills of you know, analyzing, making your diagnosis, identifying root causes, and then going after those root causes and prioritizing. So, so that was maybe the moment in my life where I worked more as an, an engineer, per se, or as what we call the industrial engineer that I don't know how it's in Australia or in the other places that people are listening from, but um, yep, yep. that's... Very nice. So, uh... Well, then, then, you know, the progression of your career, you decided to study abroad, like you said before. So, and you did mention that you, you know, you, you did something different there instead of going to US or going to Spain as most of the Costa Rican, uh, you know, students or prof young professionals would do. So you ended up choosing to do your MBA in Brazil. So you did mention that you like it Portuguese and what is what is more in that decision to go to study in Brazil? Yeah, yeah. So I was studying casual Portuguese because I was not thinking of living in, in Brazil or in Portugal or any other Portuguese speaking country. And um, but I, like we were casually introduced to the possibility of getting a scholarship from the Brazilian government. And I was like looking for financial aid, either in the US or in Spain. And that opportunity attracted me, but really like what really attracted me was like, like cool, I'm going to a place where I don't know anyone. Like I will be me and we'll discover, you know, we'll start from zero. And I don't know, there was something in that because I actually didn't know one single person in Brazil or I, I didn't even, actually understood well the difference between the states that I was looking at where I was going to possibly study. So it was kind of the challenge that was in there, you know, like oh, everybody goes to Spain and everybody goes to the other. So I guess I just like the idea of, of doing something different. So uh, what I like what uh, and about what you're saying is that uh, I feel like out of, you know, is, uh, how, how can I explain that? So I'm, I normally make decisions that are against the status quo is not the normal decision that everybody would take. And I can see that flavor in what you're saying. So, and I, I think, I think that requires a lot of, uh, you know, self-confidence and, and, and that's very nice to see that in, in you. So then, then you then you go to Brazil. So okay. So some people that might listen to this uh, podcast might be looking at you know what are the options that I that I have in my career, or, you know, and 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 maybe studying abroad is one option. So and and they would potentially think about you know other English speaking countries, but you know uh, alternatively you have these other destinations, right? Can you can you share with us? Maybe uh, the, the top two best things uh, about your decision to go to Brazil? Okay, oh, that's so difficult. Only top two. I really, I, I really became a Brazilian at heart. 
I really loved the culture. There were things, of course, that were really different. You know, I come from a country that its population at the moment was maybe not even 4 million. And Brazil was 180 million, I guess, when I moved in. So it was, a, you know, at profession, personally and professionally, it opened up my eyes so much like about what does it mean to live in a big country and with different regions and uh, almost like countries within countries and difference in, in cultures uh, that you could easily perceive especially if you're somebody from from the outside industries you know like it was like it opened up my eyes to the world like i could eat the world you know i could do anything it was so that was very 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 good like it was very important in my in my experience as, as a human being not only professionally and the other thing let me try to choose <laughs> uh, i i i really liked and maybe it's not only brazil maybe it would have happened in other countries but the fact that you go to a place where nobody knows you really help really helps or, or, or becomes an important part in the process of getting to know yourself mm. because when you live in the place where you were born you're always measured by the standards of the society where you're raised right and especially in a small country as mine like okay so these people who studied in these places and who worked in these places and everyone like starts to make a mental picture of what you are and what you represent and when you go to another country it's so free and so liberating like you can start from scratch nobody knows you nobody has any biases talking about biases nobody has any biases about what you have or maybe they do have biases about what this gringo how they would call me right in, in, in brazil like what this gringo would be like this foreigner but but not biases about my personality about who i am so that was very very powerful as well, very enriching. It's interesting that you mentioned about the fact that uh, you didn't have those references and for you not having those references was actually liberating where some other people would find that quite stressful and, and, and you know, as I think the other way around. So it's, it's, it's quite nice how you take that. So what, what, what was a, is the biggest challenge? Uh, living in Brazil? Yep. Um, I would say, well, if, if I take a look like at my whole nine years, maybe those moments when you need to be close to your family and you are so far away and it's so, so difficult at the moment. I remember my dad got sick for the first time. He had a urgent surgery and I'm, Aww. I was like, let known like at 5am, something like that. And, uh, the last plane for that they left half an hour earlier so i wasn't able to catch the plane had to wait 24 hours so like if i think of difficulty i would say when you need to be close to your to your family or to your friends and you're so far away as if i think of challenge like as um as in, in cultural adaptation uh, i think brazilians although we're all latins Brazilians have a really, how could I say, liberating way of approaching relationships. And that was a shock for me. Uh, I, I say 
Costa Rica, of course, is a very conservative country. So yeah, that was quite a shock. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm wondering what you mean by that, Jeannie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, the good news for you is that, you know, is if you put in perspective, you were very close to Costa Rica being Brazil. So imagine being in Australia and having the whole family back in Brazil. <laughs> yes. So yes, I, there are things totally that are that actually scares me and make me think like you know things that if something happened in Brazil that's urgent, I might not get there in time at all. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's something in the back of my mind. So then you graduate, you go to this prestigious consulting company and keep working, building your career so uh, very well. Uh, at certain point, you decide to go back. Uh, you, you did go back to you, you went to Panama, not Costa Rica, but close close enough to be in a you know, it's in a neighbor country. So, <clears throat> was that already uh, when you left consulting uh, back to a corporate career? Was already because you need more uh, stability in a place, so you didn't want that sort of uh. Uh, career, career in consulting has a reputation of being, you know, long hours, lots of travels, and etc. Was that already a move to have a more stable uh, lifestyle? Yeah, 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 definitely. I I realized that that heavy, intense lifestyle wasn't for me. Although I appreciate, I'm so you know, I've had so much gratitude for my years in in BCG because I learned it was like speed learning, you know, it was very intense. But I remember once when we were having like a celebration dinner, and one of these very respected and that I until today respect a lot, one of the partners, uh, he was like sharing with us, oh, you know what, like my my little kid, my it was two or three year old girl. And she says she she doesn't want to spend time with me because I haven't spent with her. Ha ha ha! And he laughed. It was something about you know about the little girl like being mad at him because he was never home. And he he shared it. And and maybe he was just having the need to share that with other people. Today I sit like that, but at the moment I was like what that's not the life I want you know mm. and maybe today I said like maybe he was it was that the only outlet or the only people who whom he could share it and he just didn't know how to manage it and that's why he left yeah. but in that moment it was like it clicked for me I'm like I'll never have a family here <laughs> and even though I didn't you know I wasn't even had a boyfriend at the moment or anything I really like I I really wanted a family in the long term didn't know that long term when was that but and that was one of the things that got me thinking when I had like the opportunity again to choose consulting or consulting in Costa Rica or going to corporate yeah, uh, so, yeah. that's that's a that's a big uh, eye open eye opening statement for consulting for consulting companies right so, and I work for a consulting companies so in you know, in the way we make uh our consultants to feel good about you know the fact that they could uh, potentially balance their lives with the families quite quite relevant so thank you for and, that and and actually i i hope that things have changed because back then i remember there was this women's initiative and it sounded in paper it sounded beautiful in practice it wasn't like i remember the first part-time manager 
and mm. she was I was in her first project like I was part of her team mm. and she wasn't putting just half time into that project so you know at the moment it seemed like oh my god you know those who want balance are not going to make it in, in consulting firms I hope that today like there has been progress you yeah. know raising awareness about all of this need to to balance personal and professional life yeah so uh, then you shared your story of you know going uh, going to Panama and having another job in a you know in a, in, a, in a large company. You still uh, you still having to manage the you know your life as a as a young mom and the need to travel and etc. And you know the flexibility you need wasn't there. You ended up finding yourself in a position of having to leave the job. Mm-hmm. So as, as part of this process, as I understood, you ended up founding Hola Igualdad uh, for everybody yeah. in the call. It's called Hello Equality. Huh? Or because it has a catch. Okay. Hola can be hello with an H or hola can be a wave. Oh, here we go. Wait, <laughs> in Spanish. Catch. Yeah, you're right. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay, so Oligualda, I, I founded with other three colleagues. We are all gender equality consultants certified by United Nations. And what we do is help organizations and identify what are their, the gender gaps throughout their processes and how they can deal with them. And in this process of identifying gender gaps, we have to go through a phase which is raising awareness. Right, because many of the gender gaps, most of them are created by gender bias. And gender bias are unconscious, are an unconscious type of bias normally. Mm. And, and all humans have unconscious bias. It's part of our nature. We, we need them to survive. We need them to make decisions. It's just a fast way of, of thinking, right? But in, in order to make those fast decisions, we start building Uh, maps in our heads based on stereotypes and gender stereotypes. So we help companies or to train their, their, their staff to identify this, this gender bias, this unconscious bias, and afterwards to design processes that would help, um, I say bypass, I call it bypass because gender bias will continue being there. You can improve throughout time, but you have to work them like mm. intense with with an intention you have to work them with intention intentionally mm. um, but meanwhile there are processes and decisions being taken in companies so you have to design processes that will guarantee that even if there are unconscious bias uh, within your current personal with somebody that you hire new a new manager that you will be able to bypass them and be able to close those gender gaps very nice so uh Are you, are you uh, satisfied with uh, how the organizations receive you guys and how they open to, to make these changes? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been very interesting to see how, especially um, the companies that have been working with us, like, you know, for, for some time, how they get excited and how they start becoming kind of activists within, but it's a positive activism, you know, like within their companies. And what's very interesting is also to see how 
that like for me to understand if there is a company I don't know of 500 people I'm not impacting 500 people I'm actually impacting well understanding that those people process their what we're, we're teaching we're impacting 500 times their families times the friends that that they start so it's really a fast and efficient way to to make changes so um in general companies that already look for us have some level of consciousness about this others are because they are being uh, requested by somebody else by a bigger company maybe to have in place uh, specific processes and but those companies that have looked for us there and in, actually we've not only advised companies but also um, ngos and they're they're really open and you know maybe in the first interaction you find a little resistance from somebody here and somebody there and as time goes by you see how these people are already like on on the wave as we like to call it it's very nice to hear you 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 being able to observe progress on that that's that's good that's refreshing so uh Dinia, one thing that you mentioned in your bio in a bio as well is that uh in your at your home uh you see your kids as your teachers about that you know that you know how 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 they see the world with uh or let's say less bias than us so do you have a, an example of the interactions that you know that strike you and yeah yeah i have several like there are things that i've well there, yeah there are there are things that i've taught to them and that they have been applying so it's very funny to hear them like for example there was a party and a few days ago and a small party and they gave out like this and how do you call them the things that the kids put in their eyes for the parties oh i forgot the name but well, uh, for for them not to not to see anything yeah, it's just it's more like decorating their face with these yep, yep, yep. Face, like face masks let's call them face masks and they were like with unicorns and kind of pink and so my six-year-old girl she naturally received one and my eight-year-old boy didn't receive and they didn't have anything to give out to the kids so like he's he's like oh I want one and she tells my I wasn't there and my eight year old tells his sister and she's like I'll go ask one so she goes and you know she's more like less shy and she goes there and she asks for this and it's like I want one for my brother and the woman the mother says like oh but these are for girls she's like no it's unicorns we don't care. Are you sure your brother doesn't care? Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't care. So she receives one, he gives it to her. But um, and so he he started using it. I mean, he's the only boy using it. And after some girls made some comments, he he felt, you know, he didn't feel well and he turned them the other way around. So they looked white. And they came afterwards to to tell me my story. And they're like, Mom, isn't it right that unicorns like they can be for boys and for girls. I'm like, yeah, sure. How come? And then they tell me this story. So, you know, it's it's something that we as adults don't realize, but basically this 
behavior of the mom just giving out for the girls was discriminating him from having fun and having something and then he was you know I don't want to say bully bully sometimes it's a very strong word but he, he he had a bad time with the other girls so calling out on him and anyways we have normally these conversations but one of these days he he was I, I took I don't know I don't remember now it was maybe a shirt or something I, I don't know and I'm like oh this will look so cute in you it's like so like so girly or something like that I said and made your like what did you just say mom I'm like oh no that this shirt would look look at good on Alisa yeah but did you say girly I'm like yeah he's like but didn't you say that colors doesn't matter and you know, I was like oh my god he got me so even if I'm so aware of this unconscious bias and really my passion is to change this the whole world but especially in young children yeah. like even my kid lets me know how I still have those biases. That's fantastic. That's really then being a teacher, right? So yes. <laughs> trying to push you, trying to push your bias on them, and the you know the other mom trying to push her bias on them, and they say no, this this is wrong. So it doesn't matter. That's fabulous, Dinia. We have been talking for more than 30 minutes. Oh my God, time flies. <laughs> we, we didn't even start it. So, <laughs> so look, we will we'll need to wrap up because it, if this stay, if this go too long, so, you know, it's a, uh, maybe not a, a, a attractive for, for the audience, but, I, but I'm very inclined to actually get you back in this, in this show, maybe to talk about more about your business in the, in the next series where we're going to be talking about innovation uh, and, and not so much about gender diversity. So, uh, Dinia, it has been an awesome pleasure. So I miss you so much. So, you know, I do have very funny <laughs> memories when, you know, of the time that we spent together with our friends back in Brazil. So I hope you have a chance to, to, to talk more and to explore more what, you know, this journey take us and, and particularly the gender diversity sort of uh, uh, universe. So uh, before I go, it's just one thing that I want to ask you. So uh, we're here in Australia and, and Australia has been very fortunate and blessed because uh, in this world of, uh, you know, the, the, the COVID pandemic, so we're really living a life that's almost surreal. So we, we live as if it didn't exist here. So, and I'm very aware that the reality is not the same in, you know, in South, Central and North America. So are you guys, how are you guys over there? Right now we've, we, we have been better than other moments, but Panama was the country that had the kids the most amount of days out of school. And that's so sad. Uh, actually, my kid went yesterday for his first time since March of last year to school. Oh, wow. Um, and most of the kids in Panama haven't returned to school. It's because he's in a private school and his private school is, you know, is taking the lead as, as other private schools. So education has been one of the most, the major impacts. It's not only about, you know, of course, the major one is uh, health and poverty and many people not making um, ends meet 
but education and children specifically have been one of the major victims of, of COVID here. It's, it's been a gigantic delay and there's not like easy access for internet for most of the population. So that mm. has taken quite a, a toll on, on the society here. So that's that's very sad to hear. Sometimes I do feel like uh, you know, as our our our, our fortune in, in being in Australia is actually overshadowed by the fact that we have so many loved ones that are not here, and 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 you know, so going through a situation that you know is not good at all. So I, I hope you guys uh, you know stay well and healthy. And, and hope that we go through uh, this as soon as we can. Yeah, yeah, vaccination is speeding up here. So uh, we see like, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, people are, are with their hopes high to, to overcome all this. So, uh, Dania, to close this conversation, so if you, if you have to give an advice for a girl, that want mm -hmm. to work in an area that's uh, male dominated, like, you know, STEM or, you know, data science or, you know, areas like that. What is her, your advice to her? Okay. Uh, there's nothing to fear, really. It's, it's just one more challenge. Life gives you a lot of challenges to overcome. And this one is a very nice one and interesting and it's life changing and uh, to be able and to be part of a minority in case you're pursuing a career that where females are, are still a minority. And, and taking the STEM career does not, um, does not make you not be able to achieve other things. So go after it, prepare yourself. Women are absolutely as capable, as intelligent to, to go after these careers. And uh, I, I really didn't, I, I really didn't feel it difficult actually uh, uh, being, being in, in a STEM career. And it's, it's, maybe it sounds scarier from the outside, but when you're in, you're just one more there. And um, prepare yourself and read and, and get, get mentors. That's actually maybe the best advice I can give. Get, get mentors, ideally female mentors, and, or, or mentors that are really aware about uh, gender equality and gender diversity. And they will help you uh, go through if you have to face a challenge more difficult than the others. Mm. I love it. So there are lots of things in, in what you say that, are, that I love it. You know, the fact that, you know, women as, as cable, as intelligent, and as everything is any other person, so don't, you know, don't ever fear that or don't ever doubt that. And, and about having a mentor to, to, to help you in the journey. So I feel very grateful for having you here. <laughs> Thank you so uh, much for this invitation. It was awesome to connect with you again and to see that, that we have a, a similar vision in, in this part of, of life. It's, it's very, very nice to, to, have, um, to, to get to know that about you. That's it, everyone. This is Dinia Monge, and it was lovely to have her here. Uh, I, I, I guess, you know, I hope you enjoy. 
And until our next episode of the Changing the Game. Bye bye.